The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
my concern today is for the church. The church in America is loaded down with a spirit of pride and Phariseeism. We've cut ourselves off from God by our spiritual pride. We think we're fine in our praise and worship, our fine buildings, our concerts and programs, our Easter and Christmas pageants. our feeding of the homeless. We think we're fine with our entertaining pastors, but we are dead. The church in America is dead. We are cut off by Jesus and about to be completely and forever cast out of his presence. If we are completely cast out of his presence, 99% of what goes on in the church today will continue unabated because it requires no Holy Spirit presence. The lampstand will be removed But our traditions and our formalism and our religion will continue to maintain an appearance of church. Now, don't make a mistake. There will be a great work of revival in America. But the American church is about to be completely passed by. The Lord will call the prostitute He'll call the wicked sinner. He'll call the ungodly to repent. And they will come through to victory while the church is left to desolation and destruction. We're much too confident in our position, theological positions, in our positions of influence and power in the world. We're much too confident in our imagined standing before God. Please, please hear me. History and the scriptures tell us plainly that he will pass us by if we do not repent. The work in our own hearts must go deeper than we can even begin to imagine. Deep enough to destroy our false ideas about salvation and about our being safe in the midst of our sin. The wages of sin were death in the Garden of Eden. The wages of sin in Noah's day, it was death. 
the wages of sin, Sodom and Gomorrah, complete destruction, I know, totally wiped out. For the children of Israel, sin meant the destruction of the Jerusalem that they loved, the temple, the temple mount. It was burned. Over a million Jewish people perished. The price of their sin was death. We are not safe in the midst of our sin. Romans 6, the last verse, says the wages of sin is death. It still is death. There is no future after we die. We're either cleansed, restored, we're either changed, now, or we are forever lost. That's the teaching of Scripture. The work in our own hearts must go deep enough to destroy completely our self-satisfied pride. There is a great work that must be accomplished in our hearts. There is a great work a great work that cannot be cast off. I bring to you today the final warning to the church of Peter. Peter is soon to be murdered, executed by Nero. He is innocent. His wife is innocent, but they are going to be crucified together. In chapter 3 of Second Peter, Peter comes with this final warning for the church. It's a very sober warning. It is out of this warning that I have come to you today with what I've shared already. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. As you can tell, I am very sober. I'm very concerned. I've spent a great deal of time this week in fasting and prayer. drawing close to Jesus, hearing what's on his heart as he shared it with the Apostle Peter. He is writing this last epistle as a reminder, a desperately needed reminder of the words spoken by the holy prophets and by the apostles 
the disciples. He's addressing us also who live in the last day. He says that scoffers will come going after their own lust. That's in the church today. The church today scoffs at the notion that you can quit sinning. The church today scoffs at the idea that you must be clean before a holy God. The church today does not believe that you can leave your sin. They they believe that the blood of Jesus is of no more value than the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Covenant. They believe their sin is covered by grace, that when God looks at them, he doesn't see them, he sees Jesus. It's a total lie. And the church has gone after their own lust in the midst of our culture. They say, where's the promise of his arrival? For from the time when the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. The church today is saying, look, let the good times roll. Let's have our concerts. Let's have our entertainment. Let's have, let's have our parties. Let's have our shows. And we like it like that. I tell you, I don't. I hate it. I hate ungodliness. I hate wickedness. I hate sin. I hate what it did to Jesus. I'm brokenhearted that he had to die for us. But his love was so great. His kindness was so exorbitant. But he laid down his life for you and for me. He says, you have forgotten that the heavens were existing long ago and the earth was made from the water. Genesis 1.1 That the world was held together by the word of God, by Jesus. But then the flood came. And only Noah's family was saved out of that great deluge that destroyed the animals and the birds and the human beings. They were swept away. Now he's saying, now listen, The heavens and the earth now that you see presently by the same word of God are being reserved for fire, having been kept for a day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. The church today is, in America, exceedingly ungodly. We love our entertainment. And we say, there's nothing wrong with 
with watching this entertainment? Is it of God? Will the Lord Jesus bring that entertainment into heaven? Will he bring the football game into heaven? Will he bring the basketball into heaven? Will he bring the games of the professional sports into heaven? Will he bring the paid-for concerts with tickets? Will he bring that into heaven? Will he bring entertaining pastors and liars into heaven? The world as we know it and the American church is being reserved for fire. We are being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men and women. The church is filled with ungodly men and women, and there's no word of warning being given. I'm giving you that warning today. We watch as people are dying, dying of supposed life-giving shots that are not life-giving but are death-bringing. He warns us, don't be confused. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some consider slowness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that Anyone should perish, but for all conceivable men to come to repentance. In other words, Peter is saying, look, don't think because God has not brought judgment upon the church that the church is washed and clean. He's saying, don't imagine that. Open your eyes. Compare what you see happening with what you find in the New In the New Testament, read the book of James. Read the severe rebuke that James brings to the church. I can tell you that if a pastor today is not bringing severe rebuke to the Christian church in America, he is asleep or he is a false pastor. It's not popular. It's not what people want to hear. But it is the truth. He says the day of the Lord, this is 2 Peter 3 verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements being burned up will be destroyed. Both the earth and the works in it will be consumed by fire. Consequently, all of these things being destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godly actions? He's saying, look, look at what's coming. The fire of judgment is coming. And what kind of people should you be? 
people involved in worldliness, people seeking after money and prosperity and seeking after the pleasure of the world, seeking after the sports and the entertainment of the world. He's saying, no. There should be holy conduct, godly action, expecting and eagerly desiring the arrival of the day of God, because of which the heavens being on fire will be destroyed and the elements being burned up are melted. But according to his promise, we expect new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, innocence, godliness. Therefore, beloved, while expecting these things, you must make every effort to be found by him in peace, spotless, and blameless. If you read carefully the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul tells us that we must be washed by the word, spotless, without blemish, clean. That's what the power of the blood does for us. That's what the indwelling Holy Spirit does for us. We are washed. We are cleansed. We no longer walk in any known sin or rebellion against the Most High God. We are changed. We are transformed. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. In fact, verse 15, this is Second Peter 3, verse 15. In fact, you must regard the patience of our Lord as for salvation, even as our beloved brother, according to the wisdom being given him, wrote to you. But now hear this. As also in his letter, speaking in them concerning these things in which are some things hard to understand, which things the ignorant and the unstable twist and also the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Last night I listened to a nationally known, highly respected pastor, psychologist, saying the seventh chapter of Romans, where Paul confesses that he used to have no good thing dwelling in him. It's twisted. And it's now being used as an excuse for Christians to continue to walk in sin. And this man said, none of us can walk without sin. He is utterly deceived. He is twisting the word of God. And the twisting of the word of God diminishes the blood of Jesus and destroys the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. It causes us not to be concerned. It causes us not to be alarmed. And some of you listening to this message are going to say, Come on, Pastor. Come on, Pastor. Ease up. No. This is a a warning given by the Apostle Peter that is very stern. He calls those people who twist the writings of the Apostle Paul to say that you're saved by faith, which is separate from what you do. That there's no synergism between Jesus and 
and his work on Calvary and what we do in our lives and in our hearts. Yes, it's all by grace. Yes, it's all by faith. Righteousness comes by faith. But it comes. And it removes all sin from our lives. That's the gospel. It's the good news of the gospel. It's not good news to say that you must live your life here being ravished by the devil until you finally get to go to heaven and death then will be your savior and make you righteous. Are you kidding me? That's foolishness. It's false. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing beforehand, you must guard yourselves, having been led away by the air of the lawless ones, you may fall from your own steadfastness. In the words, Peter is saying, listen, guard your hearts, guard yourselves that these lawless teachers that tell you you cannot stop sinning, don't let them lead you into air. Don't let them lead you where you will fall from your own steadfastness before God and be lost. Now if we go over here to the epistle, the first epistle of John, The third chapter, you must take notice what sort of love the Father has given to us so that we may be called children of God. Because of this, the whole world does not know us since it knew him not. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been made known what we shall be, but we know that if at any time he may be manifest, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone having this hope in him purifies himself just as that one is pure. In other words, when Jesus comes, I'm going to be like Jesus, not when death comes. Right now, I'm to be like Jesus. Everyone doing the sin also continues doing the lawlessness. In fact, sin is lawlessness. And you know that that one was manifest so that he may take away sin. Sins indeed. There is no sin in him. Everyone who continues remaining in him does not keep on sinning. Everyone sinning has not seen him, neither has he known him. Little children, you must not let anybody deceive you. The one continually doing the righteousness is righteous, just as that one is righteous. I am expected by Jesus to be righteous now in this world. The church is going to be cast off because it has refused this message. And the fire of revival is going to burn in America. But the church, if there is not a dramatic shift in its position, will not acknowledge and will refuse this holiness preaching that you must leave your sin and be like Jesus now. The one continually doing the sin 
is out of the devil, because the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil in your life right now, today. Now, the question is, are you going to believe what is based on your experience? Or are you going to believe the word of God? The word of God is plain. I could show you many other passages of scripture that say the same thing. Do you believe that Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil in your heart? I have become acquainted with a a man, Carlos. He's in his late 50s. He waits tables at a restaurant that I love. And when I see him, I speak with him about Jesus. And he's always eager to talk about Jesus. Last night, I saw Carlos. And I said to Carlos, Have you been but half converted, Carlos? He stopped in his tracks. There were not many people there. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. He looked at me with very serious eyes. And he said, Pastor, I guess I may be 80% converted. I said, Carlos, you're telling me that you still have your favorite sins. You know that you cannot be saved in those favorite sins. He said, Pastor, I have a great deal of work that I must do. I said, Carlos, if not now, when? He said, Pastor, these are serious issues. I have to deal with them. I said, if not now, when? When are you going to deal with them, Carlos? When are you going to answer me? I am fully converted. I am changed. I'm transformed by the blood of Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've walked away from my wickedness. He said, Pastor, you don't understand. I wait on all kinds of people. And some of them insult me and make me very angry. And I hold bitterness in my heart. I said, I know, I see it in your face. I see it in your actions. When are you going to look at these people who come into your restaurant that you wait on? When are you going to look at them through the eyes of Jesus and have compassion on them and understand that they're just wicked sinners in need of grace, in need of conviction, in need of change? When are you going to Allow Jesus to do that work of compassion in your heart. He looked at me with very serious eyes. He said, I don't know how to let that happen. 
I said, it will only happen with fasting and prayer and reading the scriptures and crying out to God and repenting before him. He said, I've not had time to do that. Do you understand? We either take the time and get serious with Jesus. We're going to have to go to depths with Jesus that we have not even begun to imagine yet. We're going to have to go beyond our pride, our Phariseeism. This man was saying to me, Pastor, I'm under the blood of Jesus. I'm okay. He loves me just the way I am. He loves me unconditionally. I said, no, 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 he doesn't. You're going to face the judgment. And at the judgment, you will be cast out. 80% doesn't count. You've got to have the full victory. That's what counts. He's given you time. He's given you strength. You choose to use your time and your strength for your own pleasure. It's time to go to Jesus. Please understand what I'm saying today. I'm warning you. I'm warning you that you're going to have to go deeper with Jesus than you've ever imagined. And you're going to have to give up all ideas of being righteous before a holy God. Hoping that he'll forgive you and excuse your sin while you continue to enjoy it. The casualness. The seeking after things in this world. All of that is going to have to go as we begin to recognize the righteousness of Jesus and what he expects of us. I'll read it again. Everyone, this is 1 John, 3rd chapter, verse 6, everyone who continues remaining in him does not keep on sinning. Everyone sinning has not seen him, neither has he known him. So don't tell me that you are a follower of Jesus Christ while you continue to walk in your sin. I don't care today if you're a pastor or a teacher or you call yourself a prophet or if you're an elder or a deacon or a minister. You must stop excusing your sin. And you must come to Jesus and deal honestly with him. One man said to me, Do you think it's sin for me to go to the football game with my son? Yes. He was very upset about that. I never heard from him again. Yes. 
if you're going to go participate in the sports and the entertainment of the world, you are not going to walk with Jesus. And I have to tell you, I've come to a point in my life with Jesus where I am utterly disgusted by sin. It leads to such depths of despair and brokenness. I'm utterly disgusted by the party life. I've been invited to a big New Year's Eve party. I will not be going. I'm disgusted by the consumption of alcohol. The voices grow louder and louder, the boisterous laughter and talk. It's called carousing in the scriptures. And it's sin. Well, pastor, you sound very serious. I am. Please take my warning seriously. Little children, you must not let anybody deceive you. The one continually doing the righteousness is righteous, just as that one is righteous. I am called to be righteous like Jesus. I am called to live like Jesus. I know the lawless pastors of our day teach us that Romans 7 applies to the Christians today. No, it does not. It was Paul's experience before he met Jesus. It was Paul's experience while he was walking under the law in Judaism. It is not the description of a life without victory in Jesus Christ. We are called to a life of victory and joy and peace, godliness and holiness. We are not called to be lawless before a holy and righteous God. The one continually, this is verse 8, the one continually doing the sin is out of the devil because the devil sins from a beginning. In other words, if you continue to walk in your lawless actions, I'm not talking about mistakes. I'm not talking about things that are not volitional, voluntary. Sin is always voluntary. The bait is put out, as James says. The bait is put out for us. We go for the bait. Then we go for the sin. And then we go into degradation and wickedness and uncleanness. And we say, I couldn't help myself. Yes, you could. It was your choice. You took the bait. The devil's a pro at bringing the bait of wickedness to our hearts. For this purpose, what purpose? Listen, the Son of God was manifested so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came not to be a sweet, sentimental baby in a manger. He came as a warrior to destroy the works of the devil by dying an atoning death on the cross. He came to win your heart that you would stop being a servant of darkness and would become a servant of the light. 
Everyone having been born out of God does not continue to sin because his seed continues to remain in him and he is not able to keep on sinning because he's been born out of God. We come to a place, this needs to be our current experience where we no longer desire to sin, we no longer take the bait of sin, we have been washed and made clean by the blood of Jesus and by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have been washed by the Spirit. We've been made clean by the Spirit and by the blood. So we walk in holiness before God. This is the description of the normal Christian life. Now that is totally unlike the life of the American church. And the the warning of God that I bring to you, the warning of God that I bring to you, is that if you continue to walk in your sin, in your arrogance, in your belief in unconditional love, in your belief that you can sin and still be saved, in your belief in eternal security, even though you walk in wickedness, if you continue to hold on to those false, non-biblical teachings, you will be lost. And the Lord will pass you by with this revival that's coming. And he will reach out to the prostitutes, to the publicans, to the ungodly. And they will come and sit at the table taking your place. And they will hear the word and they will earnestly repent with tears and brokenness. And they will rush into the kingdom of God. That's the warning today. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are evident. Everyone continuing, not continuing to do righteousness is not out of God. In fact, neither is the one continuing, not continuing to love his brother. For the message which you heard from the beginning, that we may love one another. This Christian walk is marked as righteous and holy and filled with compassionate love one for another. It's not legalistic. It's not hard-edged. We are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ as we are born from above. We are transformed and made holy. If you say to me, Pastor, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. But Jesus can. But the question is, will you let your pride go? Will you renounce your pride and your position and your false beliefs? And will you seek Jesus with all of your heart? And will you let him 
have his way in your heart, in your life, in your mind. Let's pray. Lord, I come today with a heavy heart because I know you have in every way possible called your church to repentance. But false teachers have taught the church things today that have deceived even the most wise among us. They have twisted the teachings of Paul. And they have renounced the way of righteousness. And Lord, your heart must be broken for you died for your people. I come today with this warning. I pray that it will be quickened by the Holy Spirit in each who listens. I pray that your love will spring up in their hearts and they will see your kindness and your mercy and they will repent and give up their their favorite idols and be made holy. So, Lord, I come today with sorrow and weeping, brokenness of heart for your church, knowing that a great work of Reformation and revival must be accomplished if the church is to be saved. But in the hardness of heart, year after year, we have turned away from you and we've sought after the world, the flesh and the devil. Until today, the church is indistinguishable from the, from the pagans, scorned by the non-believer because of the wickedness of our hearts. The wickedness of the Pope, the wickedness of the pastors, the wickedness of the teachers, to teach something utterly false to your people, to comfort them in their sin and tell them they can be saved in the midst of their darkness. Lord, please, I ask you, come and call your people to repent, to read the scriptures, to pray, to give to the work of your gospel, to fast. Lord, put such urgency in your church. I cry out for your people. And I know that if we don't quickly repent, You're about ready to turn to the prostitutes and the cheaters and the liars, to the pagans. And I know they will quickly repent and respond, for they are sick of their wicked hearts. Their hearts are broken with sorrow. 
Lord, would you come quickly? I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray. This is December. It's moving on quickly, and we have had only three offerings given this month on the Internet. Hundred and thirty, twenty-five, and ten dollars. I've said, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I ask for you to listen to the Holy Spirit and give the offering that God has called you to give. If this message is believed by you, if it's important to you, then do what the Holy Spirit directs. I would love to also receive letters. I love receiving those wonderful encouragements from your heart. Write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also find us on the web, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. We will be holding services as normal this Sunday. We'll begin at 10 a.m. sharp. We'll finish at noon. Those who want to are welcome to remain for a wonderful lunch. I'd like to invite you to come. Some of you say, oh, pastor, I, I live too far away. No, people drive from Gaithersburg, Germantown. They drive from all over. If it's important enough for you, you will come. So you're welcome to, to go on Sunday to the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage and there you'll find our address, phone number. But I'll give you our phone number, 703-489-1785. That's my cell number. If you want to argue with me, never mind, don't call me. If you're hungry for Jesus and you want a fellowship, then call me, 703-489-1785. So you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. It's based on the book by John Bunyan first published in 1678. It has been published more times than any other single book except the Bible. It's considered still the number one allegory in the English language. We called this broadcast Pilgrim's Progress, not only because of our love for Pilgrim's Progress, the book, but also because that's what this broadcast is all about. It's about making progress toward heaven. My heart is set on heaven. I love Jesus with all my heart. I have 
renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil. I have no interest in the things of this world except as I'm able to invite people to come with me to heaven. I want a crowd to come with me. I want you to come. Well, God bless you, my brother, my sister. I hope today's broadcast has been helpful to you in your walk with Jesus. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Tomorrow, a day of prayer. Call and pray for Washington and America. God bless you. With great joy.